to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is December 26th. By the time you're listening to this, 27th, I should just start saying that. Uh, you are one day away from the Cotton Bowl. You have made it through the holidays. Hopefully you're nursing some hangovers. You're spending some good time with family. And uh, it's almost game time. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host Pat. We're actually both coming to you from the East Coast for the first time in a while. Uh, sitting in our childhood bedrooms, home for the holidays, uh, and we're, we're ready to talk Cotton Bowl. We're ready to talk new offensive coordinator. We're ready to talk a lot of shit. Pat, how you doing, man? Doing well. Like you said, I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom. I'm rocking my uh, brand new David Taylor 2018 World Champion shirt that I got for Christmas. Love Feeling it. Shout good. out. Shout out, yeah. Magic Man. That's right, baby. Uh, hopefully we're going to see a 2020 Olympic Championship out of him. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready for this bowl game. Hell yeah. So uh, apologies to anyone who listens to this. We're giving you exactly one day to listen to it, especially with it being an early game, noon game for us East Coasters. If you're on the West Coast, 9 a.m., that's brutal. But uh, hopefully you're not working or you're getting through a Friday work through a holiday week. And this gives you something to uh, to get through that. So we will get to the Cotton Bowl in a minute, but there is some big news today that we have to get to first. Kirk Sharaka is your new offensive coordinator, and yes, I did look up the pronunciation. I think I have that right. Pat, how do you feel about it, man? So first of all, I'd like to say that I was pretty close. You are. You are. I, I said it was either Soraka or Sharaka. And I so think, gonna, yeah, so I'm going to, you know, uh, you get the point on that one, absolutely. Um, I feel really good about this. My, He was, uh, the, outside of Joe Brady, he was in my top two picks. Uh, it was him or the guy from um, Oklahoma State. Yep. And... You, you sent me some stats on his, his career as an offensive coordinator and uh, quarterbacks coach, and I honestly, I like what I see. The thing I like the most is that every single year he coaches, his points per game goes up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we had a lot of people today on Twitter, um, a lot of people going, you know, home run higher, love this guy, this is amazing. And we had a couple people tweeting at us like, hey, what do you think? And my answer was like, I'm happy it's someone who's called plays before because that was one thing I said I really wanted. You know, obviously – Let's take a moment, moment of silence for all the the Joe Brady worshippers. It's not going to happen. Um, and then, you know what? I hope he has an incredible career and you know a seemingly great story. But we can we can move on from that story at this point. Um, but one of my things is I wanted somebody who's called plays, and this guy's been at least a co-offensive coordinator since two thousand nine. So that's awesome. Uh, but my response otherwise was like honestly, I don't know that much about him. Like I think a lot of people are going off the fact that Minnesota had a really good year and a really good game against us. And people are like, oh, he's amazing, he's amazing, which, like, it's cool. You know, get happy about that, but I wanted to dig in a little bit. So, did some research, uh, looked back at his history. So, 2009 to 2012, he's at Rutgers, quarterbacks, coach, slash co-offensive coordinator. Um, didn't look up any numbers there, because it's Rutgers. Like, kind of hard to hard to put stock into that. that. That was sort of at the tail end of them being good. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> Maybe I should have looked up those numbers. Sorry, everyone. That was like... <laughs> So I feel like 2009 was basically right after Ray Rice went to the NFL, mm-hmm. and they there was like some holdover for them still being an okay program, yeah. and then downhill probably while he was there. Okay, good. Like I said, we can throw those numbers out the window. Um, <laughs> from 2013 to 2017, he was Western Michigan's offensive coordinator under P.J. Fleck. That's where P.J. Fleck kind of blew up as a hot name in coaching. Uh, and then followed him to Minnesota from 2017 to 2019. So like you mentioned, um, you know, the stats, I didn't go through all of the stats, obviously, but just points per game-wise, when they started at Western Michigan in 2013, 17 points a game. 
Go to the next year, 2014, 33 points a game. Like, nearly doubled points per game in a year. Pretty damn good for any any program, any situation. Then you go to 2015, goes to 36 points per game. Cool. You know, hard to improve on 33, but you're still moving up. Go to 2016, 41 and a half. So 17, 33, 36, 41 and a half. From the time you started, you more than doubled it. Pretty impressive. Yeah. I remember that team, uh, Western Michigan, in 2016. You know, everyone was talking about how they were one of the hottest offenses in the country, scoring 40-something points a game. I was like, who the fuck is this team, Western Michigan? Um, but obviously it led to some success and got them, uh, you know, the Minnesota job. So they go and they take over Minnesota. And, you know, us being in the Big Ten and fans of the Big Ten, we've always kind of viewed Minnesota as just like a whatever program. Um, and you can see these last couple of years, P.J. Fleck and, you know, by, by proxy, Kirk Shiraka have had a real impact on them. Uh, 2017, they were scoring 22 points a game when they first got there. 2018, jumped up to 29 points a game. Full touchdown. That's a full touchdown in one season. Wow, look at us. Same page. Hey, hey, <laughs> look at us. Uh, full touchdown in one Who'd season. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> and then this year, 2019, they, they were just under, uh, just over 34 points a game. So same thing from, you know, in a two-year span to go up 22 to 34, it shows it shows improvement. It shows taking teams that are not historically known for being electric offenses and moving them in the right direction. Um, and doing that against Big Ten defenses in Minnesota, averaging 22-29-34 against Big Ten defenses. Yeah. And, that, I mean, this is a team that plays Iowa every year, that plays Wisconsin every year. It, that's that's a pretty really impressive. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about and, that. And with Minnesota recruiting, you know? Right, right. that's so the he's, point. He's not even there for P.J. Flex's third season there, so he doesn't even have a full program of all P.J. Flex guys. Yeah, and he's made that improvement and put up those points in a, a premier conference. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a, a great telltale sign too. In that first year jump, so like Western Michigan first year seventeen to thirty three, Minnesota first year twenty two to twenty nine. Like that first year, you're taking over an entire room of guys that like don't really know you, don't know if they're bought in, don't know if they trust you. So to take them for that one year and show them like, hey guys, we are going to do something here. That second year, getting that instant result pretty damn cool yeah um so yeah and this i mean this is going to be the most talented team he's ever coached exactly exactly and i think that's part of it like he is he's a pennsylvania guy he's from lewisbury i think um you know franklin franklin mentioned that he wanted somebody who has had success and has had experience calling plays which love that he acknowledged that um but said someone who said he wanted someone who is kind of familiar with their system he said it's a tough balance because you want someone who like can come in and, and bring their thing that they do, but also understand like Penn State's returning a lot of talented players, and this is not a developmental thing. Like this is you need to come in and execute. So it it'll be a balance of like him bringing in the things that he was able to do so well, you know, against us and against other Big Ten teams, but also looking at our strengths and realizing what we have on this roster with. Clifford with the four running backs with Fryermuth coming back like you got to come in and execute right away and the thing that I'm excited for him to hopefully bring to this offense right away is offensive consistency because yeah. I mean that, that's what they showed against us you know they put yeah. up 31 points against us and they even when they like kind of took their foot off the brake a little bit or off the gas a little bit you know they were still getting first downs they were still right. prolonging drives or making it hard for us to come back so yeah, they were they were carving us up. Um, there was a there was a tweet earlier from 
I think it's at PSU underscore strong, PSU everything, um, put out uh, their their offensive stats for this year. Um, So their quarterback this year, 66% completion, pretty good. Uh, Just under 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Not bad. Like, not not earth-shattering, but not bad by any means. Um, Running backs. Running back 1, 1,100 yards, 8 touchdowns. Running back 2. 460 yards, six touchdowns. Running back three, 400 yards, two touchdowns. So I like that it shows, you know, he's got three different guys that are all eating a little bit. There's a clear lead back. Um, I forget his name. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, But then a couple other guys in that rotation that he'll have to work with with our, you know, seemingly four-headed and potentially six-headed monster with these two running backs coming in. Um, But I think the one thing that really stands out and that everyone loved is how he used his receivers. I mean, he had he had Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson both over a thousand yards. Uh, wide receiver one, seventy-four receptions, a hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, one thousand one hundred and fourteen yards, eleven touchdowns. Wide receiver two, fifty-seven receptions, one thousand one hundred seventy yards, and eleven touchdowns. So you got two thousand-yard guys, both with eleven touchdowns. Yeah, and two big-time receivers is is something we haven't seen since the Godwin Deshaun Hamilton era. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I think I, I think it's a lot to be excited about. Like, which said, admittedly wasn't really, that long ago, but still. No, but it feels, it feels like, like it. a long time ago. <laughs> when, when, ev- when every year you have the expectations of like, win now, win now, every year seems like another like ten years has gone by. Um, but I'm excited about him, man. I, he's got experience. He has shown consistent improvement. He's shown to be able to do it against good defenses, like you mentioned. Something that a lot of people on Twitter are talking about today is. Uh, it'll be good that he can give Brent Pry feedback on how he dissected that defense and how he was able to do it so effectively, which is kind of like tongue-in-cheek. I think some people are just like just saying that to poke fun at Brent Pry and get their grievances out, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have an outside perspective. Yeah. Um, and then I think that the last big thing going around Twitter today is, will this have any effect on Justin Shorter, who is currently in the transfer portal. Will he see the success that Shiraka has had with wide receivers and say, okay, I'm coming back? Maybe, but probably not. That's my, my, my assessment is I'm hopeful. I think that would be really cool. And, and to see him blossom into the five star that we know he can be, I don't think but it's I'm happening. Not counting on it. There's, there's reports uh, on 24 seven today that he's in Gainesville right now, taking an unofficial at university of Florida. Um, he's, if you look at his Twitter, like, his likes, he's liked a couple of Florida things. If you look at his follows, he's followed a bunch of different people from different programs. Like, I'm just kind of shocked it hasn't happened already. Like, if he's trying to, I imagine he's trying to enroll, like, this semester. Um, I'm sure he'll have to sit out at some point if he doesn't get a waiver. So, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm super hopeful that that happens, but I, I don't see it. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but, you know, right. you got to hope that, you know, hopefully he at least meets with him. Yeah. So I, I have to imagine Penn State's still recruiting him, right? I would think. You know, we were having this uh, we were having this conversation earlier um, in my group chat with the guys that were on our uh, our roundtable discussion. Tony, Brandon, Alex, um, do you think do you think our coaches, like Franklin and the position coaches, actively recruit guys that are in the transfer portal, like our guys that are in there to keep them, or do you think it's more like they have that first conversation once it's about to happen, and then like, hey, do your process, and it is what it is. I have to imagine. It's probably not as aggressive as like when they're recruiting someone out of high school, but I have to imagine that they there's a decent amount of contact. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably a mix because I mean Franklin's been very clear. He's like, if you're looking, we're looking. If you're in the portal, you're no longer on the roster. Like your locker is taken down, all that kind of shit. Like he's very clear about he'll support you. He'll you know he'll he'll do whatever you know whatever you think is best for you. But he's made it clear like once you're in that, you know you're welcome to come back, but it's it's not a guarantee. So I don't know, man. I think it's probably different per per guy. Like maybe there was more with Lamont Wade than there was with like. You know, one of the lower three-star guys who was going to be a backup. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's certain guys who, when they go in the portal because they're not getting playing time, and say it's like, listen, we're going to help you find a good yeah. spot to land. Yeah. But when there's a guy who that they want to bring back to be productive, I would guess that they still somewhat actively recruit him back. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I think I think in this situation particularly, there's probably at least that one follow-up conversation of like, hey. Justin, we know you're looking. We know you're taking your time and your visits, but wanted to let you know this is the guy we've hired. This is what his plan for the offense is. If you think this is still a fit for you, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, so. and I, I would be I would be a little surprised if Coach Soraka doesn't uh, doesn't reach out to Justin Shorter himself if he's allowed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. They they said I'm not uh, sure what the rules Shurak are there. Actually, but. yeah, they said he's actually in Dallas right now um, at the bowl game with them. Um, which is cool. Obviously, he won't like call any plays or anything. Yeah, but he just, um, just gets to be with the team. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. They were talking to Clifford. He said he had just met him, talked to him like today. So pretty cool that that's like already happening. A um, couple Twitter questions on uh, the offensive coordinator on Kirk Sharaka. It's just a fun name to say, Sharaka. I'm gonna say that a lot. There's gonna be a definitely gonna be some fun like memes on that. I heard someone talking about uh, Rock the Casbah, but wait, Sharak the Casbah. That's not bad. Not bad. Uh, this seems like a, it sounds like a normal name to me, Sharaka. Well, yeah, because that's because your name is Colicchio. You guys come from the same family. It's just, it's, I don't know, it rolls off yeah, the yeah. tongue. Sharaka, it's just a name. Sharaka. I don't know. We're cool. Anyway, uh, Twitter questions. from uh, First one's from William Nittany, who is actually the founder of the Nittany Lions. No, that's not true, but it would be cool if it was. Uh, William Nittany says, do you think the new OC, whose name is Sharaka, will bring a high-end QB recruit in 2021? Um, so let's talk QBs for a minute. So we have, what, five on the roster? Um, yeah. So we didn't take any in this class. Did, I'm, I, I'm a recruiting expert and I'm terrible. The question is, will we bring in a high-end? Because we haven't had a real, like, five-star recruit in a, a long time. Uh, Justin Fields would have been that guy. Obviously, we know Wasn't how that story went. Wasn't Hackenberg a five-star? Yeah, but that's, what, 2012? 2013? Yeah. Like, that's... You know, six years ago, it's a while. In, in the world of again, in where every year matters. It's two quarterbacks ago, though. True, but it feels like forever because yeah. Trace's Trace's era was so long, and Clifford's is beginning to be so long. And we had the Tommy and Trace, and we had the Tommy and Cliff. Like it seems like so much has gone on. Uh, but yes, Hack was a five-star quarterback. Um, didn't quite pan out. So let me say that we haven't had a. And I love Hack. Shout out if you're listening. Call he did great things for out. our program in terms of keeping yeah, him alive I will, in a in a very hard era. But he didn't have a five star career. If we'll put it that way. Exactly. Exactly. So the question is: Do you think <clears throat> that having a offensive coordinator who has shown he can do good things with an offense will bring in a high end recruit? Um, I guess at some point he will bring in a high end quarterback recruit. Uh, I would be surprised if it's right away, just because Clifford's young. There's a lot of quarterbacks in in the room right now, and anyone who's a five-star quarterback recruit, I think, probably looks to come in and start at latest as a sophomore. Yeah, 
So, you know, it might take a little bit, but I think he will eventually. You know, he's not only is he a, a good offense coordinator with a solid history, but he's a, he's a quarterback's coach. Yeah. Yeah, which is another huge thing we talked about in what do you need out of an offensive coordinator hire. We said it was maybe not necessarily needed to be a QB. They could have shuffled positions around, like if Joe Brady came in. But the fact that he is, I think, is a really good thing, too. Yeah. And, I mean, um, you, you saw how good he, Tanner Morgan looked under him this season. Yeah. Tremendous. And again, Tanner Morgan, from what we've seen, has been a guy who's like good, not great. Like, he has talent, sure can be a good quarterback, but we never like, oh, watch out for Tanner Morgan. And then he lit us up. So, yeah. Uh, so, recruiting wise, we do have a quarterback in this class. My apologies goes out to Micah Bowens from Las Vegas, Nevada, three star mm-hmm. dual threat quarterback. I uh, forgot about him. He was one of our earlier commits. So, my bad. Um, but yeah, you'll have, you'll have Cliff, you'll have Levis, you'll have the two four stars that came in last year. Uh, Michael Johnson Jr., Taquan Roberson, and now Micah Bowens. So that's five scholarship quarterbacks, which Franklin has always said is what he wants at any given time on a roster. Um, I don't know. I don't exactly know the reasoning for that, but he's always said like five scholarship quarterbacks is what he wants. Um, I'm sure you want like three active quarterbacks on your roster. You want your starter, yeah. your backup, and in case someone goes down, you have a backup backup. Yeah, exactly. So if we look to 2021, uh, the the top guy is Caleb Williams. He's a five-star dual threat out of Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C., um, which we've had we've had a couple of recruits out of Gonzaga recently. Um, and he's one that we're very high on, very, very high on. Um, right now, his crystal ball, and this is so far in advance, everything can and will change. Right now, his crystal ball is 62% for Georgia, 25% for LSU, and then 12% undecided. Um we are listed on the warm, warm, warm baby. So they, yeah, so it's Georgia, LSU, Oregon, and us that show warm. I don't know, man. It's so weird. we literally are just wrapping up twenty twenty. I would love Caleb Williams. I have no idea, um, but I think you're right. As in the future, it'll happen at some point. Uh, William Nittany also <laughs> says, "Do you see us playing out more of the two tight end set next year? Since that is a strength, and so is running back." Would only make sense because we could run on defenses like crazy, and our tight end crew would be mismatches. Yeah. What do you think? Bowers is graduating, right? He is gone. Okay, and then we've got um, who's our other tight end? Pat Fryermuth is number one. I know, I know that. <laughs> I just have to give you some shit. Pat Fryermuth is number one. You've got Zach Kuntz, Kuntz. behind him, and then uh, Theo Johnson coming. Brenton Strange, too, who uh, came in this year as a freshman, played a little bit as well. And then Theo Johnson, who was a top tight end of the country, will be in as a true freshman. So, yes, you have four guys that could play and should play, honestly. Yeah, I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of two tight end, uh, especially, we'll get to this later, but the uncertainty of the wide receiver core yeah. next season. Yep. There's going to be a lot of youth, yeah. uh, a lot of guys without a ton of you know, a ton of success at the college level. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, and this, this is going to segue into our next question very well. Um, but I think it'll be interesting because Fryermuth is obviously a stud and should be very, very involved. I think Koontz and Strange are both guys that, like, we've seen have athletic ability. We've seen, we saw them play, like, snaps in some of the early games where they were playing with that, you know, four-game redshirt rule. Um, and then Theo Johnson comes in looking like he could make an immediate impact. So it's like, does Theo jump those two guys? Like, do one of those two guys, you know, make the jump into the second backup tier? It'll be, like, it'll be interesting to see how that second and third tight end spot shake out to see if it's, you know, does it make sense to have these two tight end ones? 
But interestingly enough, our next question from Chris Lyons26 says, should we be worried that the Gophers tight ends have combined for five catches this year? No, I wouldn't um, worry about it. Um, you've seen the success this guy has with receivers. My guess is he just has had a lot more talent at wide receiver at Minnesota. I mean, tight end's not an unbelievably deep position. It's mm-hmm. difficult to come across these really talented tight end targets. Not every team has them. And so yep. I think for a lot of teams, they end up just being blockers who catch a couple of passes. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm guessing it would, a guy who's had the success that Kurt Shiraka has, he's going to come in, see this tight end talent, and be like, yeah, we're getting these guys the ball. And there's there's just no also no shot that James Franklin is going to be like, nice by some wild like I like chance that Kurt Shiraka's like, yeah, you know, I just don't like getting the ball to tight ends. James Franklin would probably be like, okay, well, you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, like, could you imagine that conversation? You know, I really don't like the tight ends. I know you got that guy, uh, Freermuth, what's his name? Yeah, probably not going to work out for me. And Franklin's like, you know what? You're my man. Like, <laughs> that does not happen. So, uh, Chris, valid question, Chris, but no, I'm not worried at all. Um, I did count seven catches, semantics, five or seven. But uh, I, I think, like you said, he, I mean, you had the trio of wide receivers, the two uh, Bateman and Johnson both over a thousand yards, and then Chris Audenbell, who was a great third receiver. So they ran a ton of three wide receiver sets, and they had the thousand yard rusher. Um, again, I'm blanking on his name for some reason. There's only so many touches that go around. I mean, how many times this year did I complain about Frymouth not getting enough touches? And then we looked at it, and it's like, oh, well, KJ had 13 catches, and Journey had you know 20 something runs or whatever it was. It's like sometimes that just doesn't happen. So. I looked at their I looked at their roster too. The two tight ends, both of them were like three star guys that came in the last year or two. Um, it, it's just a different it's a different animal. So um, I'm not worried about it. I think it'll be fine, uh, and I'm kind of excited, man. Like he, he's shown that he can adapt to what he has. He's shown that he can make progress with what he's given. So I, I'm excited to see like one what he does instantly that's new and different, but also that like what he does that utilizes our talent that we didn't see with Ricky Ronnie. Like, if I'm James Franklin, I'm like, hey, Kirk, go sit down with Tyler Bowen and you guys, like, have a beer and figure out what we're going to do for these tight ends. Because, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, anything else on uh, on our boy Kirk? Kirk Sharaka? anything else for him? Hey, well, welcome to the team, baby. Yeah, man, absolutely. Welcome home. Welcome back to Pennsylvania. We're very excited for you. Um... And yeah, it's funny. I was watching a, uh, I was watching a video of uh, they were talking to PJ Fleck and they were asking him like, how's it feel? And he's like, yeah, you know, we knew it was coming. He's been with us for a long time. Been with seven years. You know, love him. You know, appreciate him. All this stuff. Uh, and he's like, uh, we knew we wanted to get back to Pennsylvania, so you wish him luck. But goes in the same conference. You know, you don't love that. You're gonna be playing against him. And like, you could see it like hurt him a little bit. So that makes me kind of happy. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, PJ Fleck. You and sorry, PJ. You and your boat. <laughs> Row the damn boat, apparently. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, bowl game preview. We are going to the Cotton Bowl. I do want to first say, uh, correction, last time we talked about this, I mentioned that the Cotton Bowl is a very nice stadium, and it's great. It's not played in the Cotton Bowl. Played, played in the AT&T Stadium. Why? That is so dumb to me. Like, I get it. AT&T Stadium is beautiful. It's brand new. It can hold more people, I'm sure. It's a better experience for the players. But why even have the Cotton Bowl Stadium if you're not going to play the Cotton Bowl 
in it. Is the Cotton Bowl Stadium still standing? I think so. I'm not sure. I went there. I went there. I went there. We played in the Tax Slayer Bowl in 2012 or 13, and I was there, and it was in the Cotton Bowl Stadium. Maybe they've knocked it down since then. I don't know. This is me just venting. Someone corrected me on that on Twitter after our last episode, so I wanted to make sure got that on the record. Um, but yeah, we don't have, we don't have like a plethora of stats for this one. We'll do kind of a general overview. But what's your what's your thoughts going into this game, man? Uh, honestly, this, this is a game that kind of reminds me of how we felt coming into the Minnesota game, where we go, right, "This is a team that's had a lot of success, but not against a lot of talent. So we're not sure how good they are. We think they're good." We think they're not as good as us, but we really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's And I think we probably said, the, I think I said the same thing on the last episode when we did like a quick preview. For me, it feels a lot like the bowl game last year against Kentucky where it's it's their Super Bowl. It's one of the biggest games they've played in a long time. We end the season on kind of a, a down note, you know, a little bit less than what we wanted. And it's it almost feels like it's like, all right, if you beat Memphis, it's cool. You beat Memphis, whatever. If you lose to Memphis, it's like, wow, lost to Memphis? That's uh, it's not great, man. Um, so if we look at them, they are 12-1 and on the year. It's damn good. They won the American Athletic Conference. Uh, their only loss was to Temple. They lost 30-28. to And they beat great, Cincinnati twice, who's a good team. Yeah, so their quality wins, the ones I counted, they beat SMU, who was ranked for quite a while. Uh, and they beat but just Cincinnati got twice. smoked in their bowl game. They did, so maybe they were frauds too. But beating Cincinnati twice, and didn't they beat them back to back too? Yeah, back to back. It was like their last, yeah, it was their last game of the season, and then the championship yep. game. So like that's impressive. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to beat any team twice in a season at any point. Let alone twice uh, back to back. Yeah, um, they're scoring forty points per game, which is eighth in the nation. Uh, again, this is this is that conversation that you were talking about. Is like. Are they a really good offense, or are they just playing trash and they're scoring forty points because they're playing no one? Um, I don't know. Uh, they're allowing 24, 24 and a half points per game, which is forty eighth in the country. Uh, and I think the big storyline here is that they'll be missing a couple of key people on their team. First and foremost, their head coach Mike Norville uh, went on to be the head coach at Florida State. Their defensive coordinator Adam Fuller followed him to Florida State, so he will not be there either. And their starting tight end, Joey Magnifico, which is just an A-plus name, name uh, will not be uh, playing as well. I believe they're uh, also missing their starting left tackle. Yes, that was it. I knew there was a fourth one, and I couldn't find it on Twitter. That is it, the starting left tackle. So no head coach, <clears throat> no defensive coordinator, no tight end, no left tackle. That's a, If we don't like win this game by a lot, I'm going to be really upset. Man. Yeah. Really upset. Um I don't know, man. Like, I, I want to like dissect this, and I want to go into like what's their stats against these teams, and what's their passing, and what's their rushing. Like from what I see, they look to be a pretty balanced team, pretty balanced rush, rushing and, and passing. Um, yes, they've scored a lot of points, but like I say it all the time, and it comes back to bite us. It doesn't it doesn't scare me a ton, man. Yeah, I mean, I just with how much they're going to be missing: head coach, defensive coordinator, tight end, and left tackle. I think our offensive line should have a field day. I mean, our defensive line should have a field day against them. Yeah. Uh, look look yep. for some, especially out of Yeter, you know, last game he's ever going to play in the uniform. Look for him to come out fired up. And, you know, the more he's eaten, the more everyone else on that line gets to eat because then they're going to have to double, double team him. And then that's going to free up Shaka Tony and Jason Oway and Robert Windsor in the middle. And, yep. like, it could, 
you know, could it could uh, could go well for us there. And then, you know, our, our secondary has had some struggles at times this season. Having a like a serious target in their tight end out is a huge help. Uh, yeah. Even though the, you know that's usually usually end up getting covered by linebackers if you're a tight end, but still, or safeties. But I mean, still, that's a gigantic help. And I mean, they're letting up 24 points a game in the American Conference. I think we should certainly be able to top that. With oh, absolutely. I don't think we might have Noah Kane out for the game still, but I don't think we're gonna be missing anybody. And then. We're, they're scoring 40 points a game. I don't think they're going to touch that against us. No one scored that yeah. many points a game points against us this year. And I don't think yeah. I don't think it's going to be Memphis. If Ohio State's not putting up 40 on us, Memphis is not putting up 40 yeah. on us. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you see that much out. Like the head coach and the D coordinator, that's a lot, man. Like if your head coach leaves, I feel like your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator can kind of rally together and be like, all right, guys, we got this. But then one of them Dude, this, offen- this offensive coordinator is like sitting there like, all right, guys, we're going to do our best. Yeah, <laughs> like, is he going to be the head coach, their offensive coordinator? I would, ima- I, I would imagine. And then who's um, calling plays? I have no idea. I mean, I guess he's probably going to pull double duty. Um, I think the linebackers coach is going to be the defensive coordinator. It's like th- that's just a lot to figure out in a short period of time. Like I know hey, coaches you, always the defensive for this. coordinator out of a already not like great defense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I think coaches always prepare for this, right? You always know, like, all right, if this guy's out, who would be the emergency backup? Like for us, we have Tyler Bowen calling plays for this game, um, which we'll get to in, in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot to overcome, and I just, I don't know. It is their, excuse me, it is their Super Bowl. Like this is their, you know, um, is the biggest bowl game they've been in. I don't know how long, but a while from what I remember or I've read. Um, I don't know. I just I don't see. I don't see them playing against us like they played against everyone else, which is what we said when we played Minnesota which is what we say when we play Michigan States in the last few years. But, like, I just don't see it. I think I think this team, too, like, um, there are videos today of uh, players, like, carrying some of the seniors off off the practice field, which I know they do at, like, the end of the year. Like, Shaka Tony was carrying Yitor. Like, we've talked about how close this team is. I, I don't know. I don't see them coming in flat to this one. I just don't. I agree. And it's not like, you know, it's not like this is a letdown bowl for Penn State either. I know everyone wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, but this is still a New Year's Six Bowl. This is the Cotton Bowl. It's a big deal. Yeah. You know? And Penn State it's a 10-2 team. It's not, like, it's not like we ended up with two extra losses that we shouldn't have had and we're playing in the, you know, the Hoosier Mother Bowl. <laughs> like, this is a big deal. I think they're going to come out fired up. And there's a number of guys who was their last game, you know, as a Nittany Lion. Yeah. I don't, I don't see them coming out flat here either. Yeah, so let's get in, let's get into the actual predictions a little bit. Current spread is Penn State is a seven point favorite. Uh, the over under is sixty, which is quite a lot. But you got a couple of offenses you like to put up points. It's got to get up there. Points, 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 points. Uh, Pat, what's your key to victory, man? I think honestly, the key to victory is just everyone does their job. Like a New, New England Patriots, man, do your job. I was gonna say that's very Patriot way of you. I mean, I think it's obvious we're the more talented team. Uh, we went. 10 and 2 in a much harder conference. Uh, we've got one of the best defenses in the country. We've got an offense that when it's on is incredible. We've been tested more than they have. They're missing significant parts of their team. Just if everyone goes out and plays like the way they're supposed to. I don't see us losing to this team. 
Yeah, mine is mine is very similar, and I hate that it is, but it, my, mine was like, have the true 1-0 mentality. Like, come into this week like it's any other game. Go in, play like it's for something. This is the end of your season, which I know those are kind of counterproductive thoughts. Like, treat it like any other game, but show up like it's a big game. But I, I feel like it, it's, it's, it's one of those where we've seen in some bowl games historically where we showed up a little flat. Like, we weren't ready to play, and we got beat. Um and and I think and I think they will be like I mentioned. This team is so so close. There's a lot of guys that are they're core guys that are are leaving this year. Um, and you know no more Cam Brown, no more Yitor, no more John Reed. Like I think this defense is gonna come out firing. Um, and I think tactically, I I think it is get to the quarterback. Like I want to see I want to see these wild dogs eat one more time. I want to see like five plus sacks in this game, which I know maybe is a little aggressive. I don't care, man. You're missing your left tackle. You play in the American whatever conference. Like, just put this kid on his ass over and over and over again. Make them make them realize who they're playing. Like, uh, it's it seems like overly simplistic, but I feel like it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And for a lot of these seniors and guys leaving, I know this isn't like back in the day where you know the scouting was limited. You know, scouts look at every game now, it pretty pretty yeah. equally. But you've seen guys have big bowl games, and then that helps their draft stock. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you have a big bowl game. Parlay that into one of your big, like, Reese's Senior Bowls or East-West Shrine Bowl. Then you go to the Combine. Like, those are the last couple of things that people have seen. That can move you from a mid-third round to an early second round. Like, that's huge. It's millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah, I, again, it's it's it, these are kind of simple key to victories. Like, I don't want this to sound like we're phoning it in, but it it just kind of feels like that. Like, show up, get pumped treat this like as importantly as you treated every other game because if you truly believe in that one and oh every game this year you treat it as your super bowl do that do that this week go in there kick some ass uh don't be surprised if what should we not be surprised if Pat? don't be surprised if penn state runs away with this one Ooh, i'm saying like it, it. I'm saying I like it. <laughs> they're like we've talked. I you know I I really don't know jack shit about Memphis, unfortunately. I know. Um, Same. But just with all they're missing, and what I think is already a talent gap to begin with, and then they're not coming in full. And as far as I know, I don't think we're going to be missing anybody. No, Unless, except for Ricky Ronnie. fully healthy. Yeah, which again is we we've wished him our luck. I don't think we're missing a ton. Yeah, um, <laughs> not, not a is, ton of people are upset about it. No, and it sounds mean, but I, I mean it in a good way, I think. I'm I, very happy I am for him. nervous to just see have, have someone else be calling plays. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let's let's pivot to mine, and then we'll get back to who we're missing. Don't be surprised if, for me, don't be surprised if you see some, like, a little bit crazy play calling. This is Tyler Bowen calling the plays. He knows this is his, like, only shot, because obviously we have a coordinator coming in. I mean, you'd think back to, what was it, the Fiesta Bowl, where Moorhead left and Ricky Ronnie was calling the plays, but then slid into the O.C., position this is tyler bowen's like free pass like i think he's going to take it very seriously because i know he wants to be a coordinator at some point so he'll have this on his resume but it also wouldn't surprise me if we get like an early lead to see him throw something fun out there throw a different look do something we've never seen before like why not why not it's your only chance yeah especially against the defense who's missing their defensive coordinator yeah and maybe that's me just thinking of like what would I do in this situation? One game, fuck it. It's his career, and I'm sure he's taking it much more seriously than I would. Uh, but don't be surprised if you see something cool. If you see, like, 
a reverse that you've never seen before. You see a flea flicker that you've never seen before. Like, I feel like he's the kind of guy, because he's younger too, Bowen. I feel like he's someone who relates to the kids a whole lot. Like, I feel like he could be someone who, like, is taking this very seriously, but also, like, at the end of practice, be like, all right, guys, like, if we get our moment, we're running this one. This one play, we're going to pull it off, and it's going to be amazing. So don't be surprised if that happens. Uh, Don't be surprised if, I got, like, six of these. Uh, That's not true. There's only three. Don't be surprised if Jordan Stout gets a chance to punt. You saw the video. Yeah. Okay. Punting up into the Jumbotron at Jerry World. Um, I understand that. This is Blake's last game. I don't see him taking any punts away from him. I I mean, I think he he plays the entire game, but come to the fourth quarter, like, why? I don't know. Why risk it? Like, risk what? He's a punter. What happened in, (laughs) what was it, Buffalo, where we broke the kid's leg? Yeah, but come on. I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is we have. If anything, it's a bigger risk trotting Jordan Stout out there because he's going to come back to the team the next season. Yeah, you're poking a lot of holes in my theory right now. (laughs) I don't know. I saw that video and I was like, I kind of want to see this live. Because when when Stout transferred in, we heard he can kick and he can punt. So we talked about that a little bit. You hit the Jumbotron with a punt. I have no idea. What's the ruling there? It's either live ball and wherever it lands, you play it. Um, no, because if they call it a dead ball, where would they spot it? Just wherever it hit? So that seems like a bad idea to hit the Jumbotron. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would just like to see that leg in action as a punter because next year, Blake Gillikin is gone. Um, and yeah, it's his last game, so maybe you don't want to take anything away from him. Um, we have a freshman that'll be coming in. That's a highly rated punter. And then I think we have a couple of walk-ons, but hell, if Stout can do it, I think it would be damn cool to see it in action before we get to next year. That's just me. Um, and don't be surprised if there's a kick return for the touchdown. Just putting it out there one last time. I didn't get many this year, uh, or any this year. I know, I was just trying to fool myself into that a little bit. Um, yeah, I predicted five or more, and we got zero. Yeah, well, we had two that were called back, right? Yeah. Wait, did we get any at all? Any punt or kick returns for touchdowns? None, huh? Well, fuck. Speaking of those, uh, Joe Lorig, our special teams coordinator, was with Memphis for a long time, so maybe he can give us an insight. Mm, we'll find, we'll finally get one. Finally get one. Um, all right, those are actually the only ones that I have. Uh, prediction. What do you got, man? You said we think you're going to run away with it. What do you got here? I'm taking the old Calicchio Classic. Of course you are. Penn State and the under, baby. I'm yep, saying what do you got? 35 to 14. 35 to 14. Either that or 35 17. I'm having a hard time deciding, but I'm going with 14. Okay. 35-14, that puts the total at 49, so you're, you're well under, you're giving yourself that. Um, if you have listened to the show at all, even once, you know what I'm going to be picking here. The Hank and Hardline. Hank and Hardline. <laughs> I'm taking Penn State, I'm taking the over. Uh, Penn State's going to win this 44-20. to 20. It's We're going to be just over, the, 60's a lot of points, it is, especially in a bowl game. But I think, I don't know, I think, I think Clifford comes back fully healthy, kind of like... Ready to ready to finish the year off with his like signature moment, right? Like, you know, he got hurt. Levis came in. The Levis question started circling. New offensive coordinator. Like, this is the end of his first year. I think he's gonna want to go big. Um, KJ, obviously, we don't know what's happening there. We'll talk about that in a minute. I think he'll have a big game. Pat Fryermuth snubbed on so many things this year. Um, I just I see this offense turning up. I think forty four points is in the realistic realm of possibility. And I think 20 is probably even spotting them a little too much, but 
I needed the over. So 44 yeah, to that's 20. That's right, you did. There it is. You're, you're reaching just is. so you can get the over. I know. I really was. I, I At first, I was like, oh, 44-17. And then I did quick math. I was like, fuck. Need a couple more points. Uh, or where, not 44-17. I think I had 40-17, something like that. Um, all right, there we have it. 35 to, which one did you go with? 14? 14. All right, 35-14. I'm going 44-20. Uh, and there you had it, folks. So it's an early game. Um, the playoff games are on the same day, right? One of them? No. Is it all of them on New Year's Day? Why did I think... Uh... I mean, one might be on New Year's Eve, the other one's on New Year's Day. I don't think there's any. Let's... For some reason, I thought... No, you're right. Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU, Oklahoma are on the same day. My bad. Oh, so wait, both of the semifinal games? Yeah. Wow, look at that. So yeah, it's a full game. It's a full day of football, which actually probably helps the ratings on this Penn State Cotton Bowl. Not that it would be like not a highly watched game anyway, but yeah, this whole this twelve o'clock bullshit though. Ugh. Aren't you happy you're on the East Coast for this? Uh, I don't know if you're still back in Cali. I know. I know. Um. All right. So hopefully everyone enjoys Cotton Bowl. Hopefully we have a great, 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 great win. Great, 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 great. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's finish up with some quick hitters uh and when we got some more twitter questions uh first one our boy micah parsons is officially a consensus all american yeah i mean this kid is you know debatably the best linebacker in the country this year he's he's, he's incredible man. He, uh... at worst is really yeah. what it comes down yeah. to yeah and so he, he uh i did consensus all american it would have been ridiculous yeah, I did some research because we talked about this. Talked about this in the very beginning there. This was one of my predictions, actually. We'll go, we'll go back to our year-long predictions maybe on our next episode. Um, one of my predictions is that we were going to have at least one consensus All-American. Boom. There he is. Like Arsenal, um, baby. So I, so I looked it up. Uh, there's two different things that you can be. You can be a unanimous All-American or a consensus All-American. Uh, and the way it works is there's five outlets that the NCAA recognizes to determine who are actually all Americans. Because nowadays, literally every publication puts out their thing, right? The Athletic has one, ESPN has one, Bleacher Report has one. Everyone has an all America team. So there's five that the NCAA actually recognizes it's uh, Walter Camp, uh, Associated Press, Sporting News, American Football Coaches Association, and Football Writers of America Association. So on those five, he was a second team on Walter Camp, first team on AP, second team on Sporting News. First team on the AFCA and second team on FWAA. So two first teams, three second teams. I don't know who's putting the way it the works, second team. There's like there, there's there's four guys that they like all of these. Tim, the like guy from have. Clemson. Who else? Isaiah Simmons, the guy from Clemson. Um, uh, dude from, is it Oklahoma? Um, hang on, hang on. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh no, Wisconsin. Zach Bond. Uh, and Cal Evan Weaver, um, those are those are the guys that I saw a lot of um, being like mixed in, whether they were first or second team. Um, it, it, let me tell you, if Micah Parsons played in the '90s or even the early 2000s, he would be like a top three pick. Yeah, and it's just it's just not as much of a line, It's just not as much of a linebackers game in the NFL these days. No, like, but a guy like Isaiah he played Sanders. in that era, man. Oof. Yeah, I mean, Devin Bush went like 10 last year, I think. 
Isaiah Simmons has talked about top six, top seven this year. Like he'll be up there. Um, but yeah, it's it's these guys. It, it's Zach Bond from Wisconsin, Evan Weaver from Cal, Isaiah Simmons, Micah, and then a couple others that got mixed in. So if you look at those five things, to be a unanimous All American, you need to be first team on all five of them. So obviously he was not unanimous, which is super super cool, but whatever. Uh, to be consensus All American, you need to be first team on three of those, which Micah was actually first team on only two. But I guess there's some sort of caveat that if there's not, if there's not people enough people that have yeah. three, like the the next highest gets it. You know what I'm saying? So by that caveat, he is officially a consensus All American, which is so fucking cool. Um, He'll now be officially on the wall uh, in Penn State's facility where all the All-Americans are. Uh, The last couple, I think, were Saquon and Carl Nassib before him. Um, And, I mean, we, we, we say this so much, but he's a true sophomore who has been playing the linebacker position for two years. That's just so impressive, man. So... Micah, congrats on everything. I cannot wait to see what you do next year. Yeah, be ready for him to be a unanimous next season. Yeah, I mean, if he if he just if he even continues just on this same path that he is, I think it's easy. And with his work ethic and with with his freak athletic ability, he's absolutely going to take another big jump. It's a humble beast, so, you know. Humble beast, baby. I, you know, should we get those tattoos just to match him? Humble beast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just us two schlubs walking exactly. around. So get him on my ass cheeks. nice nice anyway moving on uh talking about talking about big life decisions humble beast tattoos or whether or not to declare for the nfl um so the story is reportedly that kj has made up his mind and will announce after the cotton ball yeah he's gone yeah yeah when you when you say that like nobody nobody waits to announce that they're staying no, it just doesn't happen, man. Um, yeah, because at first... There like, is a little part of it. Like, dude, mind. maybe he is, though. Maybe he's just like, how cool would it be if I, we win the game? And I'm like, oh, I'm staying, and then we all go crazy in the locker room. <laughs> that part of that, there's something like that that lives inside of me that I know isn't happening, oh, yeah. but it just keeps creeping up. Oh, that's lived in me for, for a long time. Um, yeah, because it was in the same interview, I think, not the same interview, but the same day of interviews earlier in the day. He was like, no, I haven't made my mind up yet. Like, it's been so much more stressful so much harder than i thought and like we've talked about this it's it's a huge like decision like of course i want him back but i get it i get how difficult it is which actually no i don't so i'm not in those shoes but i can i can imagine how difficult it would be um and then later in that day other reporters had the clip of him saying like yeah i made up my mind i'll announce it after cotton bowl um so you have to think that means he's leaving um like no one says that and comes back it just doesn't happen like did you see the whole Chase Young thing where they were interviewing him and he's like, uh, they're, they're asking him about the NFL and he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not thinking about that right now. Um, focused on the game and the plan is to come back to Ohio State next year. Why would you say that? There's 0.0.0.0% chance that you are coming back to Ohio State next year. Yeah, it's got me worried already, though. Anyway, I think KJ. I think it's one of those things where he was just trying to be, he was trying to do like the non-statement kind of thing yes. and that just came out of his mouth yeah he took it one too far yeah. like it's like i don't want to i'm, think I'm just thinking right of, like, i'm Focus only thinking on about the bowl game. game yeah the bowl game and like you know only took doing it. this and like he was probably trying to say one like right far. now like only focused on being at ohio state 
Yeah. And then it just and like slipped plan's down. coming back. Yeah, that's fair. I'd be uh, Parks and Rec fucking fan? shocked. Yes, I love Parks and Rec. Okay, reminded me of Jean Ralphio's raps when he always takes it one too <laughs> yes. far. K to the N to the O P E, you're the finest shorty in all the pony Indiana. Indiana. I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that that's what that reminded me of. Uh, that's a stretch of a joke or a reference, but that's what I was thinking, and I had to say it. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Jason. We're here to talk about our guys, KJ. I think I'm I, I am making peace. I'm making mental peace with him being gone now so that it doesn't hurt as bad when it happens in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, next thing, though, Franklin said, because um, this is actually, I think he was talking about on signing day, maybe, because they were asked about the size of the class and how many people they have and all this. Uh, and he said, you know, you're always trying to predict who's going to leave and all this. And he goes, we have a couple of guys with NFL decisions left. Do you think there's actually anyone else that's making like a real decision right now, um, or is that just him kind of posturing and saying what he has to say? I mean, there's always going to be guys who leave when they really shouldn't, so you never know. But to be honest, KJ yeah. and Yeter are the only guys that really should be leaving early. Yeah, if we pivot quick to a Twitter question from uh, our friend CJ Goon, he said, unless I am mistaken, these are the only guys who are slash could come back with senior eligibility. That'll actually be playing. Lamont Wade, Tariq Castro-Fields, Shaka Tony, Will Fries, Mike Mennett. Fries and Mennett have both announced that they're coming back already. And we've done our guesses on who's actually going or leaving. But after Franklin said that, it made me think, do you think Lamont, Tariq, or Shaka are actually considering it right now? I mean, I'm sure it has to be on their mind. Just because um, I think Lamont and Shaka would both get drafted. Just not yeah. high. Um, I don't think Tariq Castrofields would get drafted if he left right now. To be honest with you, I agree. Um, if anything, I think he'd be a late round because, like, he he's shown he's shown that how good he can be at times. He's shown the athleticism, um, but he's had some he's had some bad games this year. Uh, from our viewpoint, at least, I I think I think Shaka could actually go like mid rounds. Like, yeah, I think I think it's surprising. There's a chance Sharif. that he could. I think it surprised us last year when Sharice Miller went what fourth round. I think it just shows edge rushers are a premium, and if you are an athletic edge rusher, teams are gonna yeah. are gonna and go for L- it. Lamont Wade had a big year; this had a great season. And yeah. There's definitely a, definitely a boost in his draft stock. Um, but like, here's the thing: is like logically, when you look at it, unless you're going in the first two rounds, you shouldn't leave early. Yeah. Like, just like this, that's how the stats work out. Yep. And I think it would be kind of a long shot for either of them um yeah it'd be like a bit of a long shot for shaka and a very long shot for lamont wade just because safeties aren't like unless you're one of the best safeties in the country i don't think anyone's really taking the first two rounds and he's not a name that gets he he, i think he's a guy who could prove that he's one of the best safeties in the country next season but he's just not a name that's getting thrown around a lot and but you just you never know when guys are gonna leave sometimes they just do it yeah yeah, I uh, I think I'd be shocked if anyone else besides KJ declared. Uh, I think Franklin said that because there probably are guys that he's having those conversations with. Yeah, and realistically, he, and he doesn't want to and say so. they do leave. That really undermines yeah. them if his statement is like, "Yeah, we've got one guy who we're waiting on." Right, right, right. Yeah, and, I don't think you definitely. And the conversation that, about that right. kid becomes like his coach didn't even think he was ready to leave. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, we'll see in a couple of days. Um, and selfishly, I hope those guys don't leave because, like, St. Wade, Tariq, and Chaka will all be huge P3 
pieces of this defense next And year, honestly, so. selflessly, it just, like, the stats work out that if you're not getting drafted in the first two rounds, you shouldn't leave early. So yeah. I don't yeah. want them to. <laughs> well, the good news is we will learn all of this in a day and a half. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, quick hitters, Miles Sanders. Uh, we have said on this podcast for a long time that he's quietly having a good year. It's not as quiet, quiet. Yeah. It's no longer quiet. The last, like, three weeks, he's been on an absolute tear. Miles um, Sanders he's, he's, won my fantasy league for me this, this year. Good for you, man. Congrats. I lost terribly in all of my leagues. So let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Miles Sanders. Here's the season with um, one loss, baby. So many people were uh, so many people were upset that he did the slide down at the end of the game. Yeah, he <laughs> almost took- fucking fucked me. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you. I won my final game by three points. Like yeah, at the end I mean, of I think the game. He, I think he had the easy. T- I think he had an easy touchdown. But that's yeah. the smart play, babe. That's the smart play. That Penn State education saying, "Hey, I'm gonna give myself up right now. We can need it." No, the game what you over. do is you run down and then you run down the end zone to the side. <laughs> nah, then you always risk a fumble. And, and then, you, then you get in the end zone and give me a solid ten extra fantasy points. Good for him. I'm very happy for him. Um, <sighs> but let's talk realistically about rookie of the year. We had. Uh, it was about a week ago. Um, one of our uh, one of uh, the people that that we interact with, Blue White Sports, tweeted. Uh, I think my tweet was about like guys doing well in the NFL. He said Miles is going to win Rookie of the Year, and this is December eighteenth, so uh, nine days ago or so at this point. I said I'd love to see that, but it looks like he's a long shot right now. If you've got faith, get a bet in. He's at thirty three to one. Incredible value. Well, he had another good game, and now. He is at twelve to one, so in the span of seven days, he jumped from thirty-three to one to twelve to one, which is huge. Like that is, ma- I wish I could have got a bet in at thirty-three to one. Put ten bucks on that, win three hundred and thirty dollars. I'm yeah. happy with that. What's gonna hurt him is that he didn't start the year off super hot, and especially when it comes to touchdowns, uh, his rushing yards aren't huge. For him, it's been a balance of rushing and receiving yards. That's what's Which I think is okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, but I think that. But when it just sounds kind of less flashy when it's getting voted on. True. I, like I he think doesn't have a thousand yards rushing. Starts. I don't think. No, but he's not that terribly far off. I think he has like seven, eight hundred. Um, because these last couple of games, he's had monster games. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the the top favorites right now, this is on FanDuel Sportsbook. Josh Jacobs, running back from Oakland, is number one at minus one sixty, um, which is not like. An overwhelming favorite. Sometimes when you see these guys run away with it, you'll see them at like minus a thousand. Uh, so it's Josh Jacobs minus one sixty, Kyler Murray at plus one sixty, AJ Brown receiver on the Titans at plus seven hundred, Miles Sanders at plus twelve hundred, um, and then Terry McLaurin's at plus twelve hundred too. I think I think what works in Miles's favor is he is on an incredible run to end the season with the Eagles seemingly going into the playoffs because of his really good run um whereas josh jacobs kyler murray aj brown i don't know they're all on teams that aren't like as exciting or haven't done as much which i know doesn't matter for the vote josh jacobs has like 400 more rushing yards and four more touchdowns though like i think it's just yeah, gonna be hard for my like i think miles has been what about rushing and receiving though i know those What's i don't jacobs know those numbers, to be honest okay, um, okay. i i okay. wouldn't be surprised if miles has if miles eclipses him in yards total yards because of that um, 166, 2, 5, 10. Okay, yeah, so when you do total yards, Miles has more than him because he's got about 400 more receiving yards. 
and then they're become only one touchdown apart when you combine the two. So yeah, you know, That's you never impressive. know. Yeah, you never know. And the fact that he's what? he's ended hot could help him out. I'd be, I'd I, still I mean, be. I think you know, if they gave it to him. I'd be like, well deserved. Yeah. And but I just won't be surprised if he doesn't get it. Yeah, and like you said, it's it, it's you know, it it came on a little late. He was splitting carries with Jordan Howard for a while early on. Um, you know, they didn't use him quite as much early on. But over the last, I would say, like five to six weeks, it's been kind of the Miles Sanders show. With the last two or three being incredible. Um, really, what I'm saying with all of this is, if you live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania and want to put a bet in on FanDuel Sportsbook, twelve to one, still very good odds. Get those bets in. Yeah. Um, NFL, a lot of a lot of good things happen in the NFL, uh, and it would be cool to see back to back rookie of the years with Saquon and Miles. That would be. Okay. Um, speaking of NFL, uh, Saquon had a great game this Finally. past week. Finally, behind God, that I garbage that. offensive line. Oh, they're so bad, but it was fun. It was really fun to see him back to form. Um, I know Godwin's hurt. Hopefully, he's okay. Um, he carried he carried me all season in fantasy. Chris Godwin. Same. Same. It's been a good year for Penn Staters in the NFL, which is another great, great thing for recruiting and for getting guys in. Um, Especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think for a long time we've had solid uh, NFL careers on the defensive side of the ball, which unfortunately are just more quiet like when they're solid defensive players. But now you're seeing very productive offensive players, and that makes noise. And recruits notice that more. Absolutely. Yeah, Godwin, I think, is second in the league in receiving yards. Behind Michael Thomas, yep. I think. And touchdowns, um, I think. Yeah, like he's had an incredible year. Saquon, while slightly down, is always going to be a great story to tell. Yeah, he's going to most likely that. end up getting 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah, dude, seeing Miles have a good rookie year is so – like I know we have an incredible pipeline of running backs right now, so it's not like an area of need to prove it, so to say. But like, why do you think we have an area of running backs right now, right? You saw Saquon crush it and then get drafted number two. You saw Miles come in and crush it his – one year at Penn State and say, hey, I'm going to the draft and got drafted in the second round. Like, you see this trajectory of guys, like, it's it's really, really helpful. And it, it is um, very difficult to, for guys who are, aren't, like, top 10 picks to come in and make serious impact on offense in their rookie season. And he yes. did this being, spending most of the season in, like, a platoon backfield. And then the yep. moment he wasn't, like, absolutely in a platoon, he exploded. Yeah, and I think I, I think they said uh, Jordan Howard should be back this week, but Doug Peterson said that they're going to ride the hot hand. Miles is still running back one right now, um, which is awesome to see. Like, you, you love that. So shout-out to Miles Sanders, whether or not you win Rookie of the Year. I love you. Very, very happy for you. Uh, speaking of recruiting, uh, the first National Signing Day is complete. Uh, there are two National Signing Days now. There's the one in December and the final one in February. I don't know the exact percentage, but I would say a good majority of kids signed on this first one. Um, your classes get pretty locked in. So we signed 27 kids, which is far and away the biggest class under James Franklin. We had 11 four-stars, 16 three-stars, and right now, per 24-7 composite, we are the 13th class in the country. That's solid. Not bad. Um, I think it's it's... It's one of those where we'll do a bit of a deep dive on this, maybe maybe one of the off-season episodes just to like really dig into it. It's one of those where it's it's definitely a quote-unquote down year because we've had some really, really good years, but you're still in the top 15, top 10-ish. 
I'm happy with that. That's a good, good recruiting class. Yes, you always want to be top five to have that sustained powerhouse of success. But I get it. Um, and the I fact that we finished thirteenth in a season where we had some significant decommits is promising. Yeah, yeah. I'm and I'm I'm very optimistic about a lot of these guys. Um, we won't go through it now, just because, like I said, there's so much to talk about. But there's there's five wide receivers in this class, like three of them that I could see playing very early. Um, there's a couple of really big defensive guys in this class that I could see making an impact pretty early. So. I'm excited about it. Um, if you follow recruiting, if you're big into it, you, you've probably seen all the coverage, maybe watched it live. They do a really cool event every year where um, they call it like their signing day draft where they, they announce every kid. They say, with the first pick in the 2020 Penn State National Signing Day draft, the Nittany Lions select, and they read off the name. Do they go uh, alphabetical like order? No, it's, it's whoever faxes their uh, oh. letter of intent in. Okay. Yeah, so whoever faxes it in, first pick. Uh, and then they Franklin and the coaches FaceTime with the kid and the family, and they it's it's awesome. I, I I won't lie, there were either some onions getting cut up in the room, there was some dust. I don't know what was happening when I was watching this, but uh, they put out a really cool recap video. It's like seven minutes long, um, but if you get a chance, it's on it's on like Penn State's uh, social media. I'll I'll retweet it at some point. Um, but it's really cool to see like what all goes into it. Like you see Franklin and the coaches getting in there at like five a.m. getting everything set up and like. Just the moments that these kids have with their families, like, so excited. You see moms and dads crying, like, people just so happy to be a part of this, like, family. It's it's really cool. So, very excited for this recruiting class. I don't think we're going to get any more surprises with 27 guys coming in. Um, the scholarship scholarship limit is at 85. Uh, you, look at our, you look at our class. Uh, if no one else leaves besides KJ, I think we're at, like, 95. So... Uh, I haven't done like the official official count, but I think you you bank on some guys leaving that maybe you didn't think about. You're now banking on the transfer portal. I know some of these scholarships can be like backdated, so I don't know how that all works out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how we how we manage this going forward. Um, but speaking of scholarships and feel good stories, did you see the Nick Yuri clip? Of course. Oh man, I love the I love this maybe more than anything else in sports. Uh, when a coach surprises a kid with a scholarship, uh, I think they're the, like the super creative ones are probably a bit cooler. This one was done at like I think they're like awards banquet, so it wasn't like it wasn't a crazy surprise, but it still had me choked up, man. It was it was so awesome. Yeah, I mean you love to see a guy like that, a grinder, who's just you know comes in every day and works hard to get a scholarship. He deserves. Yeah, and what I love too is like you saw some of the guys like in the NFL tweeting about it like Miles tweeted yeah. out Yuri Saquon I think retweeted it like you can see how much of this guy's meant to not only the team but definitely the running back room and that sort of brotherhood um, and I actually asked, I asked on Twitter because I, I think Yuri's a senior and I was like you know honest question like not trying to be a jerk like financially how does this work like is this more of a symbolic thing like he's about to graduate in a couple months or like is this actually like a financial gift kind of thing and uh I think it was Nicole, I think Nicole Wood tweeted us uh, that it gets backdated to the fall and then covers the spring. So his final senior year doesn't have to pay for it, which is awesome. Um, I think that's it for quick hitters. Anything else you got before we finish up with our last Twitter questions here? Nope. All right. Um, so we covered CJ Goons um, about uh, those guys coming back with senior eligibility, Wade, Casherfields, Tony, Fries, Mennett. We talked about that, like who might actually leave, but his... His statement, not really a question, was, wow, that is a small number of seniors. Um, 
Yeah, I'll have to dig into that. I don't actually know what the breakdown is, but I can't think of a ton of, like, actual seniors next year. Yeah, maybe he's probably... I think, yeah, we'll, we'll take your word for it. Um, Nick Rocky said, don't forget my question from last week. Sorry, Nick, so I did do some scrolling back. Um, I don't I don't know which one you're talking... Last week, there was a question where he retweeted Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark retweeted something that I think Jay Paterno retweeted or something like that. But Daryl Clark said, miss it, maybe coming back to State College. And Nick Rocky said, uh, QB coach? Question mark? I mean, maybe he's just coming back to visit. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, that would be a cool hire. I mean, it'd be cool. Like, two things. One, I think we have our QB coach in... Kirk Shiraka at this point, so I don't think that's necessarily... Like, if you hired an OC that wasn't a QB expert, maybe you need someone to come in. Yeah. So I think we're covered. And I think, too, this is, like, this is one of those things that all of us as fans do. If there's, like, a beloved player who, like, wants to be a part of the team, like, you know how many times, like, when we needed, like, a wide receivers coach, people were like, Bobby Engram, he should come back. Like, you just pick a player that you used to love. Like, people like, Matt McGloin should be a coach. This guy should be a coach. It's like... And we've been saying LeVar Harrington for a long time. Yeah. Everyone has said LeVar Arrington should come back and be a defensive coach. Like, It just it gets thrown out there. I think it's the nostalgia, the love. I have no idea what Daryl Clark's coaching experience is. If he's a viable quarterback's coach and wants to be a part of the staff, it would be awesome. I don't know what his status is. Was he on that team that went to the Orange Bowl? Um, wasn't Orange. I mean, Orange, Orange Bowl was like Michael Robinson, wasn't it? Wasn't there one after that, though? But Michael Robinson's team, that, they did time. go to the Orange Bowl. Killed I remember Florida that State, one. right? Yep, yep. And I thought there was one um, after that. Daryl Clark was in the, the, I think it was the Citrus Bowl when we played LSU in that like super muddy one down there. I think you're right. Remember that? Yeah. I, that, I think that's what Jay Paterno tweeted. It was like, shout throwback okay. to 10 years ago. And it was a picture of Daryl Clark. So Daryl Clark said, miss it. Maybe coming back to State College. And then Nick Love said, uh, QB coach. So Nick's connecting some dots. We get it. We like it. Uh, listen, Nick, if, if he does become the QB coach in the next even three years, I will make sure to give you a shout-out for that. Uh, but then Nick also had one back on December 5th that I think I missed, so apologies. Um, I'm going to read it now, but I think this is one that we will save for next episode because I want to actually do some like research and put some thought into this one. Um, but he said, what was your favorite play-slash-tackle of this year? Mine was that tackle by Brandon Smith when Rasheed Walker fell to his knees on the sideline in awe. That was crazy. I'll have um, to do some research as well, but that's an early front runner. Oh, it's definitely wasn't it CJ Thorpe on the sideline that fell? Yeah, was, like so it was CJ Thorpe. It. Yeah. I here nor there that again that's semantics. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. Uh it was an incredible play. But yeah, I think what we'll do, uh, for anyone that's still listening, I know we're running probably a little long right now. I think after the bowl game we'll do like a quick bowl game recap, but then we'll do some like end of season stuff like like this. Like what was your favorite play of the year? What was your favorite reception what was your favorite run what was your favorite whatever we'll, we'll put together like maybe some top moments of the year i know a lot of people are doing like top plays of the decade right now i don't know that seems a little excessive but <laughs> we'll we'll put some uh we'll put some together for next episode uh and we will uh finish up with drew kegel kegel's bagels um he has co- uh, another question that'll probably fall into that category uh, but he says haven't been able to catch the last couple episodes glad i could join in for this one you missed you yeah. Uh, two quick things. One, PSU slash NFL player comparisons. Do we mean like guys that are going into the NFL right now or just in general, current Penn State players comparisons? Don't know. That's also something we can do next episode. 
Yeah, so I'm thinking we take that for next episode. Let's take like some of the Drew, some you, big you clarify, we do some research and we'll we'll do that one yeah. next episode. If it's guys going into the NFL, like you have Yitor, you have maybe KJ that would KJ gets comped to uh Hollywood Brown and the Ravens all the time just because they're short and fast. Um We'll think about that, though. We'll, we'll do some, like, uh, current Penn State uh, starters for next year and who they might comp to. That's a good That's a good topic for next one. Um, but one completely unrelated that we'll end on, Kegel says, what do you think the North has to do to catch up to the South in winning natties? South has won 13 of the last 14. Sounds very, like, Game of Thrones. North needs to catch up to the South. Um, yeah, 13 of the last 14. Um... I don't know, man. It's like Bama. Bama's won like five of them. Clemson's won two. Florida's won two. LSU's won one. Florida State's won one. I looked them up earlier. I don't have the list anymore. But it's a, it's it's the SEC, man. Like it's not really the 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 South. Like I think Texas might have won in that time period. It's it's Bama and like a couple of the SEC teams. Yeah, and I think the, you see the SEC dominance waning a little bit. So the North yeah. will most likely catch up. Um, and I honestly, the other thing that would probably help is if the SEC had to play nine conference games. That is a very true That's statement. probably a huge um, difference. Because the SEC is yeah. never yeah. going to get shut out of the playoff because they don't play nine conference games. Right. Even if they exactly. have their worst season. Like they get that yep. break in the middle of the year. Yeah. it's Well, it's always ridiculous when it's like, what is it, like the second or third last week of yeah. the year. Like Penn State's playing, playing Ohio State, State and Alabama's playing Oxford. It's unbelievable. Uh, that pisses me off, I think, more than anything. If you're going to play one more cupcake, do it at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Not at the end when you're working through injuries, when you're working through fatigue, when you're working through... And somehow it never gets held Alabama. against them. Like, not only never. does it happen, but, like, never. when, like, say... Like, Ohio State will never jump Alabama because they beat Penn State after Alabama just beat, you know, Sisters of the, the Blind from... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you're, you're telling me you don't put any stock into it when they play Northern, Southern, Eastern, Indiana Tech exactly. of Community College? Yeah. Come and on. Like, like, things, things, every season, if Ohio State was ranked two, Alabama was ranked one, and then Ohio State beats us, Michigan or Michigan State, and Alabama beats, yeah, fucking... Who's your, who's your mom tech? Yep. We Ohio State wouldn't jump Alabama, but if it was the yeah, if it was I, the other way around, like oh, absolutely. And and I would say even less than that. Let's say Ohio State is one, Alabama is two, and then one week Ohio State beats Illinois, the same week that Alabama beats LSU. Every time Alabama would jump them, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's tough too because like again, Bama's been so dominant. So out of those thirteen, Bama's won five of them. So that accounts for a whole lot. Clemson, who has now become a powerhouse, has won two of them. They play in the ACC. Guess what? They're going to be in the playoff pretty much every year until something dramatic changes. So, like, I think, I think, I don't know, man. Like, I, the North South was, thing always. If Clemson was going to miss the playoff, it would have been this year by them having one loss. They did. Yeah. Um, the, the North South thing always bugs me. Like, yes, there's more talent in the South in general. Um, I think recruiting tides are starting to shift where you're seeing more kids that are going elsewhere. Um, we have two four-star running backs from Florida coming up this year. We have, you know, um, Noah Kane, who came from Texas slash Louisiana slash Florida 
went to a couple different high schools. Like we we've had more kids come from the Florida, Texas, Californias than we have. In yeah, the I mean those are probably the three best football states: Florida, Texas, California. Yeah, yeah, and we've had more of that over the last couple of years. But it's just like more of that for us means like two or three guys, where like the southern schools, eighty percent of their roster is those guys. So it's it's just a kind of a a built in advantage, if you will. Um, but I don't know, man. It's it's it, to me. It's not necessarily the the South. Like it's it's the SEC. It's it's the South. It's like it's a handful of those top schools. Like if Oklahoma wins it this year, that's the South. Like if LSU wins it, that's the South. Like it. I don't know. It seems like just more of the country is covered by South when you talk about football. Um, yeah, because I mean, I don't think know. about like the southern part of the country is like Texas, Oklahoma. You know. It's all the football. Schools. When you get like really north. South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho—like, there's not a lot happening. Nothing's gonna happen there. Like, if you if you really want to talk about northern schools who can win a national title, it's Ohio State, obviously. Um, right now, they're probably probably the only one. Yeah. Um, Any given year, I'm trying to think. Um, like teams that it could happen: Ohio State, us, Wisconsin. You could put Michigan I mean, there, but Oregon, I don't think they're at that level. If Oregon, Oregon put something together again, Washington had a couple of years where they flirted with But they it. were never, I don't think, national no. champion contenders, like seriously. No, because, I mean, yeah, it's like if you draw a line directly across, like there's just not enough school. I, I, you know what? I would love to I would love to look at that. Like how many Division One schools or how many Power Five schools, what's the split when you pick your northern and southern states? Because I guarantee you – Southern states, it's probably like. Well, I mean, the entire SEC is in the South. The entire mm-hmm. ACC outside of Boston College is in the South. Yep. Um. The basically the entire Big Twelve is too. Yeah. Three conferences. We're, right we're rambling, but in, in to answer your question, Kegels, I think it's just an inherent It'll thing. Happen. Like I don't, I don't think it's, and I don't think it's necessarily like a line that needs to be drawn. Like, it it is what yeah, it is. South, conference. Whatever. It's more conferences for me. Like it, it's I more agree. of seeing the conference, the conference breakdown, and it's more of hey, when is the Big Ten going to start really competing against the SEC? Will the Pac-12 ever become relevant? Like those are the questions I think are better to look at. But yeah, it's very likely that the South will win another one this year unless Ohio State's able to power through. So I think Ohio State's winning it. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Let's end on that. What's your What's your guess? Ohio State beating who? LSU. Yeah. Yeah, I do think Ohio State and LSU meet. I don't think finals. Clemson's played um, anyone all season. Yeah, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma's good. I think LSU handles them though. Yeah, um, that, that's gonna be a high scoring game, no, man. Oh my oh god, my god. Are there gonna the be over is probably gonna be like over is probably gonna be like sixty eight, and I'll probably still take. They're it. both at least um, forty, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good end to the year. Hopefully, we crush crush Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Get to watch some great semifinal matchups, and then have a great uh, national championship to, to finish it out. So that's all we got for this episode. Thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, I know the, the bowl preview was kind of lackadaisical, but it's Memphis. Hopefully we go in there and just crush them. Um, but thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys, Pat. Anything uh, to finish off on here? Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. Beat Memphis. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Beat Memphis. Memphis, 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 Memphis. We are.